Today's guest was an employee who then joined a startup as a CEO before leaving them to become an innovative freelancing trainer. I was thinking, like, how can I go global? Like these platforms like Skillshare, you know, that, or Udemy, you know, where you can publish yeah. your trainings. I was like, uh, I was like, there is no way that anyone would be interested with a guy with strong East European accent, you know. So I was like, there's no way for me to do that, you know. That was Jerzy Benedict, and this is Rich English, episode four. This is Rich English. Welcome to another episode of Rich English. Did you survive the blackout? What blackout? The Facebook blackout. It was nearly six hours where I was uh, in the Czech Republic. Uh, six hours without Facebook. I've never been so productive. Tip for deep working. Turn off those distractions, kill the notifications, ignore email. In fact, just turn off your phone. As ever, before we get into the uh, interview with Yuri, um, I'm going to give you a little heads up on some of the terms, vocabulary, some of the phrasal verbs um, that I use in the show, uh, that Yuri uses uh, in the show, um, so that you can better understand the interview, which is a fantastic interview today. Yuri's enthusiasm for what he does um, is uh, boundless, so it seems. Um, unending. Um, he's, he's incredibly enthusiastic. Um, he's uh, a, a joy to listen to. Um, I hope you as the listener enjoy this today's show as much as I enjoyed interviewing him. So um, in the course of the uh, interview, Yuzi talks about um, setting up uh, a new website and uh, talk, talks about payment gateways. Uh, something that he has to set up. A payment gateway is the term we use for how a customer pays you online and the platform through which that payment can be received. Um, so that might be something like PayPal, for example. Of course, others are available. Uh, I mentioned MOOCs. This, a MOOC, this is an acronym, M-O-O-C, and uh, MOOC is a massive open online course, or massive online open course. I'm not sure which way around that goes. Uh, but uh, yeah, um, we talk about uh, process improvements, that is ways that you can um, improve your uh, methods of working, the processes of working. And uh, I ask Yuzi to explain something called Lean Six Sigma. I won't go into that now because he explains it far better than I could. Um, and uh, we have a, um, uh, an interesting part of the conversation on um, the difference between effectivity and efficiency. Effectiveness and efficiency, to be effective, to be efficient. I use the expression where the gold is, meaning uh, uh, where the success can be found, where the most successful part of something is. Pioneer is a word that's used. Uh, to be a pioneer is uh, to be uh, one of the first people to do something, to, to be leading the way in some, some kind of market. 
uh, a phrase I say is uh, wired up to the hilt. I'm talking about my father when I use this. Um, you, you can use it, it doesn't have to be wired, it can be anything up to the hilt, and it means that uh, you have a lot of something. Payday is a, a, a short phrase that Yuzi uh, struggled to find uh, during the interview when he wanted to say uh, he was talking about being an employee and uh, waiting for uh, his his monthly salary to be uh, um, deposited in his bank account. That is what we typically call payday in English. Uh, there's a little idiom I use uh, to be in the same boat, or I think I say to be in the to be in a similar boat. Uh, to be in the same boat or in a similar boat means to to be in a situation uh, similar or the same as somebody else. Uh, Yizzy asks me um, about uh, AI and AI algorithms. AI, you probably know, stands for artificial intelligence. He mentions uh, that he does a lot of his work B2B. In fact, most of his work B2B. This means business to business. And uh, this is kind of 101 business English. You probably know that already, right? To be future proof, um, how are you going to uh, change your business so that any changes that come within your industry uh, within the future or maybe uh, changes that happen within society uh, such as uh, the uh, digital revolution that, that happened a few years ago, the dot-com uh, uh, revolution. Um, if you were a bricks-and-mortar business, how did you become future-proof? Uh, virtual reality. I'm sure you know what that means. Uh, it's something that I mentioned later on in the show. Um, talking about bots. These uh, bots are, if you don't know, um, it's a, a, a way of... Um, do you know what? I'll explain it like this. Do you know when you go onto a website and immediately something pops up and says, Hi, I'm Sasha. Can I can I help you? Uh, and uh, the idea is that you think that there's a real person there when I would imagine that 99% of the time there's not a real person there. It's just been set up by the website. This is a bot. Ideation is mentioned, which simply means to be coming up with, uh, inventing, uh, creating ideas and concepts. Uh, as always, uh, in the show notes, you'll find uh, everything I've just mentioned, um, plus a few more things such as links to the different websites uh, that are mentioned within the show. Um, so, without further ado, as I always say, uh, let's talk to Yizzy. Hi, Yuzi. So, <laughs> hi everybody. My name is Yuzi, and uh, I, I'm a trainer, innovator. I work for usually large companies, and I teach people in companies how to run innovation projects, uh, how to use technology in a smart way, and this helps the people succeed in the digital age. So that's why I'm a freelancer. I do trainings. Uh, I work on projects, and I have some digital products as well. Uh huh. Yeah, and that's that's how we met, isn't it? Originally, yeah, uh, it was through the the video course uh, website Veeamveets, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that that is interesting actually because I'm launch, launching right now a new website, my own, yes. you know. So because this Veeamveets, uh, it it kind of ended, you know, it's uh, not around anymore. 
the last time I looked, it was still there, but the video course section is kind of hidden away somewhere. And yes. I think it, it wasn't very successful for them uh, as they were hoping it would be. Yes. So uh, I did, uh, I did uh, uh, some uh, English trainings actually on Excel, uh, which uh, I published on Skillshare and some other platforms, which is an interesting topic as well. Uh, about speaking English, I was really, uh, I was really uh, nervous about uh, doing uh, doing online trainings in English, mm -hmm. and uh, now I'm building my own portal, which is called Proficam. Dot .cz or something like that for a Czech audience. It would be in Czech. I'll, 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 put, so I, I'll put a link to it in the show notes, don't worry. Oh, thanks. <laughs> so I decided like, uh, you know, to go directly to the market, you know, launch the trainings directly. Mm -hmm. So I have to learn a lot of new things, you know, how to actually do all the payment and training uh, development. You know, I, I can do the training. I can uh, like, I can, you know, record the video just fine. But now I have to build the entire server, which... Uh, took a lot of time but i'm launching yeah. like in the mother of days oh wow wow so, oh well i appreciate you taking the time out uh, to do this with me then because you must yeah. be very busy at the you're, moment you're the first one to know you know so it's work it's all up and set up and working i yes. just didn't i haven't pressed the button but by, by the time this uh, episode is out uh, it will be it will be ready hopefully it'll be live yeah yeah fantastic yes. so so you've um, i guess you'll have gone through a similar process to what I did when I redesigned and relaunched my website w with the video courses as being the main focus. Um, and I, I had to, again, like you, it's, it's a case of learning about payment gateways and uh, linking certain bits to different other bits and WordPress plugins coming out of my ears uh, <laughs> uh, and trying to turn the site into uh, like a, a learning um, mm -hmm. a, 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 um uh, what they call it a MOOC isn't it a massive online open course yeah, or something yeah. like that yeah yeah so are you um your portal is going to be simply for your stuff or is it going to be open for other people as well how's it going to work uh i plan to do it in phases you know first i start with excel which mm -hmm. is uh uh, not my main focus for for the corporate trainings. I do most like innovation projects, you know, uh, the process improvements, that kind of stuff. So Excel is not my main focus anymore on on the corporate uh, corporate uh, level. Of, it's not my main product. Yeah. But uh, but uh, it's something which is like easily accessible, and everybody needs that. Just like English, everybody needs English and Excel. And if you can do th those two things, you can have any any office job. Uh, of your uh, of your wish so yes. so that's why i started with that you know then i will uh, uh, introduce more excel trainings then i plan to do some innovation trainings maybe and then i plan to invite also some other trainers to my platform you know and yeah uh go global fantastic <laughs> fantastic yeah the, um i mean when i was looking at your website there was a, a couple of things that i um uh, that interested me which i wanted to ask you about which was the uh, lean six sigma yeah. Uh, could you uh, explain a bit more about that and what that is? Uh, that is a way of uh, thinking and way of working that was uh, originally developed in, in Japan, in Toyota. And it's just like an approach how to make things in a company work better, faster, cheaper, and more reliable. So it's, it's, it's because now is the time when people, uh, when let's say the employers ask their people, hey guys, we need to innovate. And they're like, okay, so how does how does we how do we do that? So this is kind of an approach. It gives you a cookbook to, to innovation 
inside a company. So this is uh, what I'm teaching. I'm teaching people to cook. That's a fantastic an uh, analogy. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Great metaphor. Yeah, it's it's a, the lean part of it. If I'm right in thinking, is about the um, uh, minimizing the amount of uh, of of wasted time or or bad processes. Is is that right? Yes, yes. It's uh, first. It's understanding what the customers uh, want, what they really value, and then remove everything else. You know, find we call it a waste. You know, and uh, I have a lot of a uh, lot of interesting material on my website. Mm -hmm. By the way, that leads me an interesting uh, English thing that I'm explaining. Mm -hmm. uh, that I'm explaining very often in my trainings, and this is the difference between effectiveness and efficiency. Yeah, yeah. This is something I've talked about before as well, and read a lot about actually. Yeah, yeah. Czech people have we really have a hard time distinguishing these two because we only have just one word for that. Uh -huh. We just say effectivita, and it's both. Yeah. But in the world of the improvement, like improving effectiveness and efficiency, that's like two different things. Yes. It can go against each other. You know? Yes. Yes. So you can't have both very often. So, so from what I've read recently, it's been that um, uh, to be uh, efficient is kind of the old way of thinking about it. And that effectiveness is really where you should be focusing more of your idea. You know, is it really working? Not, you know, is it is it just... Yeah. Uh, is, is it a good use of time? Well, it might be a better use of time, but is it, is it in itself still working? I, like, I, I recently heard a good analogy for, from Elon Musk. Uh -huh. uh, people seem to love it. And he, he said, uh, uh, if you dig your grave, don't dig faster, but just stop digging. Okay, yeah. so th that's the difference. You know, yeah. Working faster doesn't help anymore. It, it, you know, being productive works to some extent, maybe how much faster you can work with your computers, like 20%, maybe 30%, if you really know all the keyboard shortcuts, you know, but effective, you know, choosing the right things to do. Yeah. That's the, that's the art. Yes. That's, that's the, the skill. That's where the gold is. <laughs> yes. I, there was a, a, an interesting uh, thing I saw on your website as well. It said, uh, usually after the first week of an excel training course with you to go back to the excel uh, uh -huh. uh, you, you can people are saving 37 minutes a week on, on yes. knowing how to use the software better uh, and over the course of a year that's that, that really adds up and it, throughout a whole business that adds up in time yeah yeah it's uh uh it's i, I always say also in my lean six sigma trainings that you know uh if you're safe 10 minutes a day on something, uh, you, uh, uh, on a yearly basis, it, it adds up to a full working week. So 10 minutes a day, so it's saving, maybe you get a faster computer that uh, uh, starts up faster, you know, or just you, you learn a few tricks in Excel. If you learn 10 minutes a day, that's one extra working week. Yeah. So, so the effect of this is, we are speaking about efficiency here with Excel, which is limited. You can't, yeah. you can't, uh, you know, uh, improve uh, 10 times, but you can still do. And like the compound effect of that is like really huge. Yeah. And, and you mentioned that you do your training in English as well. Obviously yes. that, that's uh, the main focus of, uh, or half, it's half the focus of this podcast really it is, it's about mm -hmm. business, but it's about, it's about English in business. Um, when you initially started, were you delivering things in English or um, did that come later? And how much of what you do now is in English compared to when you started? I don't really remember. 
it's for me it, it blends in after these years like Czech and English it blends in I sometimes don't remember like which which language my training was you know like last week so uh, <clears throat> because I used to work as a management consultant working with large team uh, helping other large teams in, in corporations you know with difficult things you know so our working language was English even before before I started doing trainings so I'm quite used to speak English and uh, I do now I think maybe 50, maybe 60% of my trainings delivered right now are in English. Wow. And uh, mostly to check or local offices, though, uh, because uh, I work for large companies like Škoda or uh, Johnson & Johnson, you know, these large companies. And they have, like, let's say, uh, most of the people working here are Czechs, but many of them are foreigners, you know, so their working language is English. So, so they say, we want, we want an English speaker for that. Or we would like to have, let's say, 10 trainings and let's do eight of them in Czech for the general population and two of them for our expats colleagues. You know, and they don't, they don't want to hire two different trainers, you know, one, one local and one, one native speaker. Yeah. And then, you know, just, you know, uh, think about uh, how to make the trainings the same level, etc. So that's my benefit that I can offer like both languages uh, very easily. So, uh, yeah, that is, this is. That's why English is helping me a lot, even though my English is uh, not very good, as you can hear, and as your audience can hear. Well, I, I think I think we can all understand very well, actually. Yeah, so <laughs> I think you should worry. You should have a lot of confidence. Um, yeah. When, when did you When did you start learning English? Was it uh, you're young enough to have done it? I guess in school from an early age. Yes. Yes. Uh, but uh, I took the the took the IT way to learn English. That uh -huh. means internet. Computer games, I think you know what I'm talking about. And especially in the early age of internet, we had internet uh, since 1998 or something. So, so it was like uh, like most of the stuff was in English, and I was really curious about all this new stuff. So I have to read in English. It was tough on the beginning, and I, and I talked to people. You know, there was uh, there was a software called ICQ. Maybe you remember it. I do. Yeah. And there was a, there was a feature called Random Chat. You just press the button and you can just like start chatting with some random person uh, from around the world, <laughs> which would be kind of weird in 2021, you know, and nobody, nobody would really want it. But in, in that age, you know, we're pioneers on the Internet and you would be really glad to you'd be like very anxious to speak to other people also exploring this new thing called the Internet, you know, so, so I would, you know, chat in English with my very limited uh, vocabulary at the time. So I had my book of vocabulary in the same time. Luckily in chat, you have some time to respond, you know, so I was yeah. literally, there was no Google at that time. So I couldn't no. Google like the answer. So, so I have to like look, look up the words in books. I think, I think we might've had Ask Jeeves. I think that was, the, that was the first yeah, search yeah. engine I can remember. But my, my first memory of, of the internet was when my dad finally got around to buying a home computer for us in about 1996 mm -hmm. and this was only because I was studying at college and I, I had to start um, typing up my uh, mm -hmm. essays rather than, uh, than handing them in handwritten um, and my dad bought this this uh, computer it, now it, absolutely laughable in terms of specifications you mm -hmm. know it was a 75 megahertz processor or something like that you know mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but there was it was Windows 95 and there was this there was this little icon and it, it, it was like, you know, Explorer or, or Netscape. There was Netscape. That was it. It was yeah. a really, really old one. And of course, and, and I, I would click it, but I had no understanding of what it should do uh, or ha the, the fact that 
the computer needed to be plugged into the telephone line in order to make that work. So I found it very frustrating and, and it wasn't until a long time after I moved out of home many years later that my dad finally got, you know, some some broadband router or something in the house and now they're all wired up to the hilt. But uh, yeah. Yeah, so you, you mentioned um, um, how now you don't really notice whether you know you can't remember whether last week's training was in English or in Czech thinking back to when you first started um how did you feel were you were you nervous or or did you have a lot of confidence um going into a company to present in English I did I remember I did present in English since like the early age they made me in my company quite early just to, to present in English uh, because there was English audience, you know, like the the, the director. My, my my first boss was American, basically. So I have to like do all of the stuff in English. So uh, so I was quite okay, even though my level of English was like very low, like uh, looking from these eyes, you know. So so I was and I was quite okay with it. I'm becoming less confident. Like the the more I know, I don't know how it's possible. You know? Maybe because I'm meeting. Uh, it's it's my own business, you know, and I'm especially nervous about my English in like pre-recorded trainings in English, as I told you. I did my classes uh, uh, in Czech, like those my, my my first pre-recorded public classes of uh, mostly Excel, but I also do some time management. They were all in Czech, and I was fine with that. But uh, the, I was thinking, like, how can I go, go global, like these uh, platforms like Skillshare, you know that, or Udemy, you know, where you can publish yeah. your trainings. I was like, uh, I was like, there is no way that anyone would be interested with a guy with strong East European accent, you know. So I was like, there is no way for me to do that, you know. And uh, one day, a client came to me, like, a, like a, it was a Slovak company, I remember, and uh, they told me like, we would like you to record, uh, like pre, to do a pre-recorded Excel training for us, you know, uh, but in English because we need it also for our, for our other. Uh, other, let's say, sister companies in different uh, different countries. I said, yeah, but my English uh, is. Uh, I'm not a native speaker. You know, it will not. It will have this heavy accent. Yeah. And they're like, oh, we're fine. We prefer this kind of international English. You know, people remember people uh, understand it better than British English. <laughs> so that's what I said. Yeah. You know, but uh, I don't know if it's true. But uh, so I did it for them. I did these recordings, and what happened was that the company would actually cancel the contract. They would never, they, they would never reach back, you know, for some reason. So I had this, all this training that I made. It took me days, you know, to, to do it. Yeah. And so I was like, what to do with it? So I just like, let's put it on Skillshare and Udemy. Yeah. And uh, I was surprised because there are people, not a lot of people, but there were people like watching it. I was like, and they gave me like, oh, thanks, Yuri, great training. Like, I was like, oh my God, you know, people are willing to, uh, pay for my trainings and give you good feedback so, yeah yeah i was like not a lot you know still you know it's uh uh this is uh because there are a lot of people that know uh, a lot about excel and they're good trainers so the competition is super high so so still uh my earnings from the from the global websites are like much smaller than from the czech websites yeah. because of course the competition is much higher there's so many to choose from but still they I can do that, you know, so that, that boosted my confidence that, you know, people are willing to, uh, they're, they're okay with my accent, yeah. which is kind of nice. Absolutely. So tell me about the time when 
Uh, you were you said you were working as a management consultant. Was it? Uh, was, yes. Was that was that self-employed for yourself, or were you working? No. You were working for a company. Yeah, yeah that was my first uh, serious job after the business school. Uh, and so, how long did you do that for? And what, when, and why did you decide to become self-employed and come and go down this entrepreneurial route? Uh, uh, I did it for around five years and uh, I did a middle step actually I, I, I'm, I haven't, haven't been freelancer for the entire time I was also uh, actually a startup CEO small startup company CEO in the tech world so uh, regarding that uh, I always say that was my two best career choices was to number one join the startup number two leave the startup okay uh, yeah. so uh, so I always I was I was like since uh, since the early times of exploring the internet uh, as we just discussed uh, I was uh, I was like fascinated by these internet companies like since the dot com you know bubble of the 2000 uh, so I always wanted to work in an internet company so uh, management co consultant was consulting was amazing but after 5 years you know uh, you don't get to do that much the delivery of the job. You need to do more of the sales stuff, you know, and internal negotiation, politics, So, which I didn't enjoy that much. So, And I got an offer, you know, to work for a startup because the CEO, I didn't found the company, but the CEO left after a year. So it was a pretty fresh, uh, fresh company. And what were they doing? What was the, what was the problem? Uh, it was a hotel accommodation, you know, a special like a niche product in the Czech domestic uh, hotel accommodation, you know. Uh, that would be, uh, I could discuss hours and hours, what works, what didn't work, where are the opportunities of, of that field, but I don't think it that's It sounds like I'm going to, well, no, it, it does to me. Okay. It sounds like I'll have to invite you back for another show in a few, <laughs> few months' time. We will see if, you're, if your audience will be interested in that. But the, the thing is, uh, uh, the thing is, uh, uh, we faced a lot of challenges uh, as a business because it's a really, it seems like an easy, easy solution, you know, uh, and... Uh, because we say, oh, like 80% uh, of the people in Czech Republic, they book hotels via email or phone. You know, that's just like, oh, let's digitize that. You know, sounds easy. Not that easy. So uh, uh, that's a uh, long story short. But the thing is, uh, I didn't like the job. You know, because the startup, startup world is very different from uh, what I did before. The thing is, people imagine like a startup that must be, you know, you, you lie you play uh, the kicker how is it called like the this uh, table table football you know you uh, lie in this or, or the, yeah. yeah football yeah 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 football uh, yeah and you lie in these uh, fat boys you know and you brainstorm you know put uh, sticker notes everywhere you know that that's true for maybe 5% of uh, of the time you know the rest of the time you're just dealing with constant shit okay okay so it's uh, it's just like a crazy stress world where you just like uh, uh, customers yell at you, you know, your, your people, they always have problems, you know, the, 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 the software developer uh, refuses to come back to work because he fell in love with the marketing uh, girl, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and uh, then we have people, like, we, have, we have people like uh, at the hotel and the hotel refuses to give them a room and I have them on one line and I have an investor on another line and my software developer refuses to work and that goes for uh, 12 hours a day. That's the startup life. Yeah. Okay, they say uh, if you're walking through hell, keep walking. Okay, and it's a kind of normal way. It's not something unusual in the startup life. Uh, I get that, you know. But for me, I didn't because I didn't found the company and I like what they what we were doing. But I didn't love it, you know. I was yeah. not like 
I didn't, uh, I was not saying like people that have like a strong vision, you know, they say, okay, what I will do will like change the world or whatever. But I didn't, it was just an accommodation at the company, you know, I didn't even have like a, I have like a minority, just like a minor share in that. I was like, and I was not that motivated. I was like, why should I spend, you know, 11 and a half hours a day dealing, surfing of this wave of crap, you know, uh, for what? Like for like a small chance of getting, you know, rich or what, you know, so, so, and I didn't enjoy it. And I did, I believe there are some people that love that. They love dealing with shit every day. They just come to work and say like, uh, okay, what will fail today? I would like to solve it right now. You know. It's firefighting, isn't it? Yeah, it's all. Yes, uh, yes. It's yes. all uh, in uh, box one, isn't it? From uh, Seven Habits. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so there are people who are really great at it and they love it and they gives them energy. Yeah. I'm the really opposite of that. You know, maybe I could have you know build the right team. You know, to to kind of you know just delegate this, but but really you cannot because as a CEO, if your company grows. Uh, let's say if you're a small team, you get a lot of like uh, failures coming over and over, you know, and you solve that, you just develop a piece of software that will, that will, you know, fix the bug, you know, but uh, if you get bigger, you, you hire a customer service team that will handle with the, with the small and medium, you know, shit. And you as a CEO, you know, the biggest shit, you know, goes to you to yeah. solve, you know, yeah. your people will not solve it, you know, so the bigger the company is, you know, the, the, the more difficult problems will land on your table. So, you know, you can talk, talk about it too. You, you can, I, I think Mark Zuckerberg knows about it, you know, and all these other guys. <laughs> I, have, have you watched the um, a brilliant, brilliant series called Silicon Valley? Comedy series? Not yet. But oh, I, uh, man, it waits. So many people recommend it to me yeah. that I really should, you know, I yeah. put it on my list right now. Um, so, uh, so I didn't like it. I, I didn't see as a future. And after I, if I sold the startup, what would I do next? You know, I would be very qualified in doing the same stuff over and over. And I was like, okay, let's not do it. And uh, in the meantime, you know, I was, uh, uh, a lot of my former clients and friends, they asked me, hey, I know you're good in Excel. Uh, could you do a training for us? Or I know you are, you're working in the startup world. You know, we are interested about innovation. Could you do a lecture for us on that, you know? And we will pay you for that. I was, and I really enjoyed that, you know, and there was so much, I, I could see the contrast, you know, like my old job, like very stressful, not enjoy, not enjoying, not leading anywhere. And like all these trainings, webinars, uh, consulting, which I, which I really laughed and it gave me energy. So after some, some time, I, I just quit, you know, and I went to freelance. I do trainings and I also help uh, companies with, the, with their projects. Yeah. But uh, that is... Uh, uh, that is so much better for me because I think it really uh, my strengths. You are in that area. I always say, uh, you know, I much prefer uh, uh, talking about things instead of doing things. Yeah, <laughs> that's my uh, uh, that's my strength. Yeah. You know, this is where I can add value in more than you know trying to fight uh, difficult uh, situations in startups. So, so yeah. I think I hope I provide value to my clients and I love my job so, even though it's not easy all the time no and, and, it, and it wasn't um it wasn't a, a, a big decision let's say for you to make to to, to leave that that sort of paid employment into in, and walk into okay now it's all entirely up to me I'm the breadwinner yeah. completely only for me was that were you nervous about in that situation or not I was very nervous like coming to the startup you know I had some savings which was very small my 
I got paid in the startup, but but very very low. Yeah. You know, just it didn't even cover my my basic uh, basic needs. Yeah. So uh, I was very nervous, especially like the day when you know the constant every fifteenth, you know the 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 the, the payday, you get the money, you know payday. the payday, you know, and the payday didn't come. I was yeah. so nervous, you know. But you get you get used to it because you have to do something, you know, to 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 get the money, and uh, you get used to it quite quickly, and it's a. That's, I'm fine with that, you know. I, I don't miss the payday anymore. Yeah. Bringing it, bringing it back to the English, um, uh, what what has been your your biggest challenges in learning English, and 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 finally, I mean, what what kind of advice can you give uh, to other people who are um, wanting to? They've got some great idea for a business, uh, uh, but the thing that holds them back is, well, I'm not a native English speaker, but I want to reach a global market and I've got to do things like design a website in English and I've got to give mm. presentations mm. in English. What, what, are the, what were the challenges that you faced and, and what advice would you give to, to anyone listening who is in a similar boat? Uh, the thing is... Uh... I don't know. I will share, uh, uh, but I will share. I will tell you what is my uh, uh, think of interest regarding entrepreneurship and language. Okay, so uh, let's say there are people like me, like uh, uh, Czech people that that got uh, very very interesting content. You know, they published some books. You know, there are several of them. You know, and they have like a like a large audience in Czech language. It could also be YouTubers, but it could be book business authors, you know, and stuff like other people. And uh, now they say, okay, I do something that is probably world-class level, you know, so let's go outside. And the problem is they have a, like a very large problem with uh, like, how should they split like the Czech followers and the English followers? Because you only have one name, okay? And I see these people, they have like, a, let's say on their Instagram, they sometimes speak Czech, sometimes English. And it's very, very hard because I can imagine, you know, like the global market, if you would just like, let's say, uh, follow, if I would follow you as, a, as an English guru and you would uh, buy also speak Romanian sometimes on your channel, I would be really pissed, you know, I wouldn't enjoy that, you know, so, so, uh, so, it, so, so. So the global uh, world doesn't like that bilinguality, you know, and they are not willing to ditch, let's say, the the Czech uh, uh, market uh, entirely. Mm -hmm. So this is uh, this is a big challenge for anybody not uh, in, who didn't start in English. Although starting uh, like starting the business entirely in English, just skip the Czech Republic completely, might be possible. But it is very, very difficult. You might say it's easier to catch a fish in a bigger pond, mm -hmm. but it's actually more difficult because there are more fishermen, yeah. way more fishermen. Yeah. Okay. So, and at, so least, and at least you've got some sort of niche when you're, you've got this, you've got a language like yes. Czech, for example, yes. where you've really only got, you know, 10 or 15 million people who speak it in the world. Okay, let's add the Slovaks yeah. in as well. But, you know, um, th there's, there's a limited pool. So, like you say, there's, there's less competition. Yeah, I know, I know. Of course, uh, I would like to do a world-class level content. And I believe some few, several things I did is really already quite good to share with the world. Not everything, but some, some of the things. And uh, I'm also thinking how to approach it. You know, so far, uh, I don't have that much time to get, generate content to be a full-time YouTuber. You know, I have my podcast, which is in Czech, uh, and uh, I recently started a YouTube channel, but uh, it's not like 
like a top priority. It's just like uh, if I have some, let's say, interesting uh, part of my trainings, I just record it like very quick and dirty for my YouTube channel. Yeah. And I also got my English YouTube channel, which is, uh, it's called Benedict X. It's called like like we have like Google X, you know, for the for the Google's you know yeah. uh, great projects. Yeah, yeah. TEDx, you know, so I have Benedict X. Okay, yeah, yeah. so 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 I put it like a, so so I put like the branding completely outside of me because I could not have like easy English channel or easy uh, Czech channel and mix it. Mm-hmm. So that is a, like a very big ch- challenge for non-native speaker content for creators yeah. like me. And I really don't know how to solve it. That's my initial idea, and. Uh, of course, uh, I have and uh, I have exactly the same videos, almost the same videos on my English YouTube and my Czech YouTube. You know, and guess where I have more followers? I have more followers on the Czech channel than on the English, because I just don't have. I mean, that comes know, down to you... how much, how well known you are already in this country, though. Exactly, and, and it's exactly. Your, it's your your sort of. Um your career so far is several years worth of being mm-hmm. out there and promoting yourself, isn't it? So it doesn't. It's not a surprise. Yeah. Yeah. So I would need to start. I would need to start. Uh, I'm, I'm a fresh. Nobody knows me uh, outside of uh, Czech, Czech Republic. I mean, some people do, but like very, very little. You know, I'm known here. People know me. I would say uh, some in my in the field of business, not like a general population. You know, because I don't. Most of the stuff I do is B two B. So so, but people from companies they kind of know me, like that uh, innovation managers and and stuff. People that hire me. But outside nobody, and I don't know, like, I don't have any uh, audience. I don't have anybody uh, to, and then that's the problem with the web page. Now we have to make a bilingual web page, and yeah. that's kind of weird. You have to do all the content twice, you know, so it's like very, very hard. Yeah, there, for... there, there, there is that. And then, but, um, and of course, I suppose ideally that's the best thing to have. However, Google uh, and Chrome, particularly, I think, is is you, there's a lot of, I've noticed a lot that there's the option that if you just right mouse click yeah. you can translate the page to English now it doesn't work with all the content yeah. but it often works well enough for me uh, mm-hmm. and and you know my my level of check is 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 maybe slightly above basic uh, I mm-hmm. get by I can live uh, but um, but certainly anything complex I find very difficult to read and I'll very easily or very quickly maybe too quickly go for mm-hmm. the translate mm-hmm. button uh, not following my own advice, um, but um, so I don't know. I mean, in in the future, do you think that the, the technology will make that an obsolete thing to need to have your website in different languages? Website maybe. Website maybe. By the way, that's that's how Google Translate learned the languages by observing different language versions of the same web page, and the the AI algorithm would just like teach themselves English and check. By just comparing the language versions, so uh, for websites that might be easier one day, uh, hopefully soon. But like for the content itself, like making a video, you know, maybe there will be an algorithm that I will just like record my YouTube video in Czech and it will just uh, translate it in English and it will and change the be movement able to choose, of my mouth. Yeah, you'll be able to change what voice, uh, choose what yeah. voice you have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but at that stage, I don't think you know. Then you could have a bot, you know, doing that. They would, they would not need you know a person for that, maybe. Yeah. So what's what's your what's your sorry to ask you a question. I would like to see your view. What's your view on uh, because you're also a trainer and a content creator. Yeah. What's your view on? Uh, 
AI and trainings will will the robots replace us and when uh, well uh, yeah good question I, 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 I I've got my own idea of what I'd like to do to make me future proof <laughs> in that respect okay um, so if there's anybody out there who, who finds this an interesting idea don't steal it from me come to me and we'll work on it okay uh, but that's to go more down the, the virtual reality training route Mm -hmm, uh, where mm -hmm. you I, you create the the video content in a 3D world for the mm -hmm. the virtual reality uh, machines, which are not probably not yet mainstream popular enough that people are mm -hmm. going to have them everywhere in their own house. But certainly, it's something companies can afford, or it's something you can take into a company and offer people. Uh, mm -hmm. And the only um, uh, restrictions would be then on on the room space and how you then design the the space within the let's say game mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. but to give people these real life simulated situations they can train in like you know some of my clients are uh, uh, work in the airline industry and one guy in particular is uh, he works in the uh, uh, training uh, pilot training center uh, you know they have and have for many years have had a simulator where you go in all the buttons are there and everything cost it's very costly mm -hmm. um and I, I, I don't think for, for the language side of things, it's it's something that's necessarily as costly uh, in different businesses. But to be able to sort of sit down in a virtual meeting uh, and and have questions thrown at you and be able to answer them um, in a virtual safe kind of uh, mm -hmm. uh, environment, I, I, it's something I can see happening. Whether or not it'll mm -hmm. be uh, me that gets there first, I'm, maybe this thing already exists. I've never got as far as uh, looking into it, really. But uh, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. But in terms of bots, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I think I can spot a bot immediately. Um, I, I have to admit that I have a bot on my Facebook page, which is used, you know, as an automatic response if somebody mm -hmm. uh, sends me a message because simply because I want to be polite and reply immediately, and I'm not constantly checking i don't want to be mm -hmm. constantly mm -hmm. online so um but i do try to get back to people immediately as or as quickly as i can and say no this is the real me now <laughs> that, that, <laughs> that was just the robot so yeah <laughs> interesting yeah. cool yeah, yeah. no um so yeah you mentioned your podcast um how because uh, I, I know there's going to be quite a few uh, native Czechs out there listening to this. So how are they going to find uh, your podcast if uh, if they want to listen to you more? It's called, in Czech, it's called uh, Další Kroky, uh, Next Steps yeah. uh, in English. So if you just put that in your favorite podcasting app, you will find me. Uh, I It's like a, it's like a solo, you know, I speak, uh, it's more like uh, stories from my from my work you know what can what can how to innovate and like good examples of innovation you know i speak about uh, how light bulb was invented or i give you stories okay how to if you say something to your audience how to how to help people remember more of what you say for example or how creativity works you know so that kind of like topics uh, like the future skills i would say like creativity ideation innovation you know making a change stick and that kind of thing so it's full of stories no theory i just took just took my trainings and just like took the funny the interesting part out yeah. of it and i just put it in the podcast that's brilliant it's brilliant well uh and um website address it's called dashikroki 
www.jeremyhunter.cz Yeah, and um, for your training? jeremybenedict.com Fantastic. Well, uh, hopefully we'll send a few people in your direction. Uh, I think, I believe yeah. my wife actually did one of your Excel courses many years ago. So, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Nice. It might have nice. been to her company. I don't remember, but yeah. No, well, okay. uh, thank you very much indeed. You see, it's been marvellous. Uh, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm, I'm, I hope Me too. listeners will. I'm sure they will. Um, and like I said, yeah, I'd love to do this again in the future um, because I could, I could, I feel like I could talk to you for a lot longer uh, and listen sure. to you, listen to you for a lot longer. So, uh, yeah. Thank you. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it very much, and uh, uh, I need to listen to all the episodes of your podcast as well for other interesting guests. Absolutely. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you. So, just to recap, then, before we finish. Um, on some of those new words and phrases uh, that were mentioned in today's episode. Ideation, bots, virtual reality, to be future-proof, payday, to be in the same boat, B2B, process improvements, payment gateways, MOOCs, Lean Six Sigma, What's the difference between effective and efficient? Where the gold is? To be up to the hilt or to be a pioneer? Join me again next week. I'll be back with another solo show on how to break your bad English habits and how to create some new good habits which you can use both for your English learning and in your business practice. That's all for me for today. Join me again next time. Remember to give me a quick review. Uh, give me some stars if, uh, if there's stars available on your podcast platform. And uh, do get in touch with me any way you wish through my website at richardhill.cz or on Facebook at Richard Hill English. That's all for me. I'm looking forward to next time. Bye-bye for now.